Okay, so I'm originally from South Africa and Australia, and I met Aliyah about 30 years ago. When I studied Midrashach, I was when I met Aliyah. Anyway, so um, basically what I wanted to do today was to give you a, a talk about something that's actually really helped me over the last uh, few weeks. Um, when I was preparing this shiur, I could have given 10 shiurim on, on the material that I had. There's so much to say, so much to say, so much to draw from. And it was actually really hard for me to choose what am I going to talk about today. Um, and so just, I just really want you to understand that I just chose with a um, tweezer, just different things that, uh, that Bezrat Hashem will give you chizuk like they gave me chizuk. And, um, and just know that there's a lot more out there. Okay, so I don't know where you are with what's going on today. I don't know how much you've heard about it. I don't know how much chizuk uh, you're getting. Or do you want to just share with me what's... I mean, do you have shirim on it? Are you, uh... It's not like on the war per se, but I think it's come up in probably almost every class. Yeah. Do you agree? Yeah. Like from all the levels, I think like it definitely is brought up. Um, I don't know. I, I think I'm pretty up to date. I'm assuming Maya also is up to date. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was in the army. Are you in the army? Yeah. Okay, so you know Hebrew, yeah. obviously. Okay, do you know Hebrew? I mean, from here, like we, we. I mean, it's mostly biblical from like the text. Okay. So I can like translate it now at this point. And do you, do you know Hebrew? Limited. Limited. Okay, so, so I am. Um, I actually have to say that um, this is the first time in a very, very long time I've actually given a show in English. Normally, I actually give them in Hebrew. And uh, I'm not usually used to translating so much, and, and I found, found it actually um, quite challenging to try and find the right English words. You guys will help, okay? So um, I'm sure the source is going to come soon. So basically, what I wanted to say is that I think the most important thing when we're going through such a huge event over here, such a massive event of terror and barbarity and, and loss of life and kidnapped people and families and you know, 300,000 plus soldiers called up, civilians called up. I think that um, we're called to greatness. That's what I think. In other words, we're going through great times and being here in Israel while we're going through those great times is, in my mind, a special privilege. Okay, I know that there are people that have gone back and that's fine. But I think that to be here when Israel is going through such 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 great, great uh, moments, I think, is something that will bring us to greatness ourselves, okay? But I think what's very, very important, and this is something that I've taken on myself also, you know, there's many um, questions that come up when we face something like this. Thank you. There's many questions that come up. There's a lot of Hebrew, but don't worry, okay? Because, uh, don't worry, we do it all day. We're used okay. to it. Okay. There's a lot of questions that come up. There are a lot of questions that come up. You know, even for people that have been religious for a very long time. A lot of questions come up. One of my daughters said to me, um, and my older daughter she said to me, why should I pray? I mean, God is the one who brought this. So what am I going to, what's what I'm praying to him to take it away or to save the people? I mean, he's the one that, that brought it. That was one question that came up. Hi, my name is Leora Sarah. So I'll you. Hey. Anyway, so a lot of questions come up. Uh, you want to raise some other questions that have come up for you? 
or that you've heard. What other questions come up? How could a good God do something so terrible? Or was it God? Like, does God have control over what's going on here? Like, a lot of, a lot of questions of Emma come up for us, and I think it's really, really important, and that's what I said to my daughter. I said it's really, really important not to shove them under the carpet and to actually take them out and deal with them. Now, what's interesting is that all these questions of Emunah, um, these questions of Emunah could have come up. Hi, my name is Leora Sarah Silverstein, and you are? I hear this is your daughter. <laughs> um, and I think it's really important that when we have major questions of Emunah, if you don't shove them under the carpet and say there must be something wrong, there must be some apicorus that I'm, that I'm thinking, you know, thoughts like this. And the interesting thing is that we weren't the only ones who thought of these questions. Who else thought of these questions? Chazal. What did that baby do to get murdered like that? That's a question that Chazal have asked. Hi. Hello. Hello. and Ariella. My name is Leora Sarah Silverstein. Okay. So, um, so, so as I was saying, these questions of Emunah that come up to us, why do they come up now? Why do, why do you think they, they come up now? I mean, before Sukkot, we didn't think of it, and now suddenly we're thinking of it. Why, why do you think that we're suddenly thinking these, these questions like, what's the point of me even davening? I mean, like, you know, if Hashem did it, he'll, he'll deal with it. And what, what part do I have to play in it? Yeah. It's being brought up a lot now, or at least like in a, even in our classes a lot now, because I think um, like a good amount of people are either losing it, and then another good amount of people are gaining it. Um, so it's just like a conversation that's just brought up because it's like relevant in people's lives, whether they're again losing it or gaining it. Um, why do you? Why do you? Why would you have a crisis in Emunah now when you didn't have one three weeks ago? Yeah. It's very easy to like, even when we look back on the Six Day War, we're like, that was a miracle, or all these wars, like, we look back because it's over. Like, it wasn't affected, we weren't affected by it in like, as in we weren't there. Like, it's very easy when it's good to be like, we're such a blessed people, we're so happy, like, God is on our side. Exactly. And so I think that what happens is when things start affecting us personally, I mean, People ask this question about the Holocaust. Where was God in the Holocaust? Why did the Holocaust happen? All these questions. When we're affected by it, and it's you know it's our God forbid our family or our you know people that we know, and it's and we're afraid and we're going through anxiety, then suddenly all these questions of them will now come up. But when it's happening to somebody else, well, we just you know carry on working and doing what we do, and uh, we don't necessarily deal with it. So I actually think that that's amazing. I think it's amazing because basically what's happening is that it's causing us to delve deeper into the sources. And to really try to understand, hello, is to delve deeply into the sources and to really try to, to get to the bottom of these questions for ourselves. It's like, for example, you know, the whole woke business, right? So some people would say, terrible, terrible, terrible. Well, actually, it's, it's causing us to examine, well, why are we female or male? Like, does that have, like what is a family? Like, where does that come from and why is that important? So basically, it's causing us to really go back to the sources and to learn for ourselves what do we really think about all these things and how can our emunah in Hashem and, and our belief in God that He is a good God and that God has a plan. So I'm inviting you 
okay? I'm just bringing a couple of very short, uh, small things, as I said right at the beginning of the class, that it was so hard to prepare the shiur because I had so much that I wanted to bring and so much, so many things that have given me chizuk over the last three weeks. And, and I just, wow, you know, like, I don't have four hours of your time. So, um, so I'm just bringing you, like they say in Hebrew, with a pinceta, you know, with a, a tweezer. I'm just bringing you a couple of things. But I really invite you, like I've been doing myself, to, to strengthen our emunah and to tr- go back to the sources and to learn and to try to understand all these questions, okay? So what I want is I'm look, look at the first source, okay? Now, you pr- I don't know how many of you have studied this. I presume that you've actually studied this probably in your first uh, class on Pasha Chavon Breshit. I just want to get a sense of how many people know this first Rashi in the Torah. Do you know the first Rashi in the Torah? Okay. So the first Pasuk in the Torah is Bereshit, Bara, Elokim, et Hashamayim, et Okay? Um, God cre- in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Okay? So Rashi asks, and that's your first source. Okay? Rashi asks. Okay? Amar Rabbi Yitzchak. Okay? Interestingly enough, this is so interesting that I've known this, this for many, many years, and I never ever thought of who Rabbi Yitzchak was. So I did some research. Who is Rabbi Yitzchak? Do you know who Rabbi Yitzchak is? Unbelievable. Ask my husband, who is this Rabbi Yitzchak? He said, I noticed that it's about Rabbi Yitzchak. So I look it up and I'm like, who is this Rabbi Yitzchak? It's Rashi's father. Rabbi Yitzchak, who come to some Hiroshim, is Rashi's father, and he wanted to. The first perush of Rashi in the Torah. He wanted to mention his father's name to the kibudav. To, 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 amazing. Okay. Amar Rabbi Yitzchak. Lo hayat tzarich l'atchil et ha-Torah, ela me'achodesh hazelachem. Okay. We didn't need to start. Why did the Torah, what's the question that Rashi brings up that he actually says his father asked? Okay. Um, why did the Torah start with... In the beginning, God created heaven and earth. I mean, it's not a history book. Like, we are not, the Torah is what? The Torah is a, is a book of laws, of a book of instructing us, a book of guidance. Why did the Torah start with, in the beginning, God created heaven and earth? Okay? He says, what should it have started with? Ella, are you following me? Ella me'achodesh hazelachem. It should have started from the first mitzvah of the Torah, which appears in Shemot, in the 12th chapter of Shemot. She Israel. This is the first mitzvah that Am Yisrael was, was given. And so we should have started there. Why does the Torah start with the story of creation? Okay. Uma tam patach bebreshit. Okay. Why did it start with the breshit? Mishum. And now this is amazing. Okay. He brings a pasuk from Tehillim, which says, Koach masav higid la'amo latet lahem nachalat koim. Okay. Now this is very hard to translate. I looked at a lot of different translations and I try to get to the, to the real understanding of what this means, okay? And this is what I think it says, okay? Which means the power of God, the, the power, the, the immensity, the strength of God's creation, okay? The story of how God created the world and everything that he did, he revealed to his nation, Okay? What does it mean to reveal to his nation? Yeah, in Prashat Preshit, okay, in the first Prashat of the Torah, God showed us, told us of his strength, of his power in creating the world, okay? Let's carry on. In order to give them the inheritance of the nations. Okay, it's like, I don't understand this person. Okay, I just don't understand this person. I've heard this person so many times and I. Do not understand this Let me say it in English and try to 
try to think what is the problem, the koshi, of this pasuk. It says, Koach masav God started with Breshit in order to tell us, in order to, to actually be witness to the power of him as a creator in the world, in order to give us the inheritance of the boy. Okay? Think about that for a second. I'm going to carry on with the Rashi. Think about what is a bit strange about that. Like, does anybody understand that verse? Someone, can someone explain it to me? Hi. What does that mean? God revealed his power to us so that he could give us the inheritance of the nations. Don't know. make sense to anybody. It doesn't make sense to me. Let's carry on with Rashi. Okay? That if the nations of the world would say to Israel, now when did Rashi live? I'll put it here for you, I think. Rashi, did I put it here for you? No, I read it to myself, I think. Um, he lived, oh, yeah, I read it myself. 1040, 1040 to 1105. Okay, that's when he lived, over a thousand years ago. Rashi, the most famous parashah of the Torah. Okay, let's go back. If the nations of the world will say to Israel, you guys are robbers, you guys are thieves, that you conquered the land of the seven, seven nations of Goyim. You're robbers. You're robbers. The nations of the world will say to us, a thousand years ago, Rashi saying that the nations of the world will say to us, you are robbers, that you took away the, na- the land of the seven nations, okay? Hem, I, I helped you a little bit with, uh, with uh, brackets here. Hem, Yisrael, Omrim Lahem. Kol Aret. So how does, how does, how, how's Amistad going to answer that? How are we going to answer that? Basically, we came into Israel, the defense of Yoshua, and we conquered the land of, from the seven nations that were here. Like, how are we going to defend ourselves against such a claim? Okay? So Yisrael, Omrim Lahem, so what's Israel going to say? This is Rashi, okay? Kol Aretz, which means Kol Haolam. Kol Alam The whole world is Hashem's. How do we know the whole world is Hashem's? Hashem created the world. It's written. Breshit bara lukim et hashamah vet aretz. He bara, kahu bara, v'natna, l'ashem yashadenav. Who he created the world, and he decided who he was going to give the land of Israel to. It's his decision, and he decided to give the land of Israel to us, as it says in the Torah. It was his will that those seven nations were there. And on the last line, and it was his will that it would be taken away from them. And it's his will that would be given to Israel. Okay? A thousand years ago, Rashi is what? Prophesizing? I mean, think about it. Rashi was living in a time where the land of Israel was not exactly an option, okay? It wasn't like we were here, it wasn't like we, we were part of, it was even a thought that we would have uh, sovereignty over this country, okay? And he's saying that the nations of the world are going to come to us and say, you are robbers. You're robbers for taking the land away. And he's going to say, and this is how we need to answer. We believe in God who created the world and God who created the world said, just like I gave the land to, to the seven nations, I'm giving it to you. So let's go back to that pasuk. Okay? Um, I'm on line two at the, the end of the line. Basically, the pasuk is saying the power of Hashem's creation, he told to his nation, 
to give them to give them this inheritance of the going. What is the connection? Can you think of the connection? Why did God have to tell us of the power of his creation in order to give us the inheritance? Who should he have told? Sorry? The other nations. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Where's your husband right here? Right? Let's tell the nations of the world of the greatness of God and how he created the world so that they will understand that this great God who created the world decided to give Israel to the Jews. Why does it say that? Why does it say, I cannot tell you why it says that. I'll give you a little mashal of something that happened to me yesterday, okay? I have my daughter, I have my son-in-law is uh, on the northern border. He's a soldier on the northern border now. She hasn't seen him in about two and a half weeks. And not really three weeks. And uh, her baby, who was sleeping throughout the night, uh, started waking up. Started waking up. Up, 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 crying, crying, crying. Won't go to sleep. She can't sleep at night. My daughter's exhausted. And what happened is that she, she nurses her, and then she tried not to nurse her, and then she tried to put her back to sleep, and she won't go back to sleep, or whatever it is. And night after night, the same thing's going on, okay? So I said to her, do you think that she needs to, to nurse at night? She said, no. Does she have, is she the weight that she's supposed to be, that she's full at night? Yes. Do you think she needs your comfort at night? She said, no. So I said, well, what's the problem? The problem is that she said, well, maybe like because of the war, like maybe, like maybe she feels that her father's like on the northern, she's one, okay? Maybe she feels that, that like her father's not here and he's like on the northern border and like maybe, maybe she's like, has this like kind of like sixth sense with some sort of worry. I'm like, are you serious? No. I said, Koch Masafi Gidla Mola Tetla Nachalat I told her that Pasuk. I said to her, you need to be sure yourself that this baby does not need to wake up and that you need to sleep and the baby needs to sleep and the minute you're sure, it's going to happen. And guess what? We had to talk about it. She worked on herself. I even said to her, you know what, I'll get up for the baby. There was no need. The baby slept for the last two nights. The baby slept. She woke up at 5.30, I kept saying, but she didn't wake up at 2 and at 3 and at 4 and whatever. I said to her, first of all, we have to be sure. We have to be sure. The minute Amisrael is absolutely sure and convinced of our moral right to Eretz Israel, we don't have to do any Hasbarat. The only reason we need to do Hasbarat to the girl is because we're not sure. We don't understand it. That's why, that's why the Pesuk says, We as the nation have to be completely and utterly convinced of our moral right to Eretz Israel. Okay, so I wanted to bring you that. Um, now, not only do we have to be convinced of our moral right, we also have to be convinced that we have the moral right to stand up and fight. Who was the first person in the Tanakh who <coughs> fought? Who fought a war? Anyone know? Who was the first person in Tanakh who fought a war? Who took soldiers, not exactly soldiers, and fought a war? Before that, sorry? Avraham. Avraham in this week's Pasha. Avraham Avinu fought a war in this week's Pasha. Why did he fight the war? To save Lot. Not exactly the biggest tzaddik, okay? <coughs> He went to fight the war to save Lot. How much chance did he have of actually winning against these four kings? Not much. Okay? And he went anyway. Okay? I want to look, I want to look with you at the next pasuk. Go to the next source. 
Haba lehorgacha, hashkem lehorgo. Okay, we have a son uh, in Sanhedrin. This is in the Gemara. Okay, if someone comes to kill you, hashkem lehorgo. Anyone know this word hashkem comes from? Have you learned the Akedah? When Avram got up early, hashkem Okay, so it says so. It's the same word. Haba lehorgacha, hashkem lehorgo. Sorry. Can't hear? With Zriza, that's what the Rashi says. I can't hear what she says. Sorry. With Zriza. Oh, Zriza. Oh, Zriza. Okay, right, with Zriza. Okay, right, exactly, with Zriza, right? But he got up early. So what does it say? If someone's coming to kill you, you rise up first and attack him first. That's what the, the Gemara says. No, no, no. This is not, a, this is not something that's talking about self defense. Because obviously, if someone comes to kill you, it should say, okay? Someone comes to kill you, you kill them, self-defense. We don't even actually need any Pasuk in the Torah or in the Gemara that tells us that we need to kill a person who wants to come kill us. Okay, that's Pashut, okay? It's simple. What is this saying? It's saying someone who comes to kill you, you first have to kill them. Must have meant first. I mean, he's coming to kill you, well, then it's self-defense. So, heard a sure of someone... Someone said, if you know that someone has the intention to kill you, he's not actually on his way, because if he's on his way, it's self-defense. So then why would it say, why would it say, you, you have to first, okay, why do you have to first, no, because if you know someone has the intention to kill you, then you have to kill them first. So what is this based on? What pasuk is this based on? It's in a pasuk in Shmot, okay? It says, are you with me? If, I'm not going to translate it literally, okay, I'm just going to explain it to you, okay? If a thief comes into your house in the middle of the night, this is what this pasuk says, if a thief comes into your house in the middle of the night to rob you, and you kill him, you're not culpable. Shnei, rega, rega, rega. The thief didn't come with the intention to kill you. No, Chazal say one minute. If a thief comes into your house in the middle of the night, if it would be that he would see you, or let's say you would see him, then he sees you seeing him, he'll kill you. So it's not that he came to kill you and therefore you kill him. The very fact that a person in the middle of the night, a thief in the middle of the night, comes into your house, gives you the moral right to kill him. And you have absolutely no culpability. Do you know if there are states in America, I heard about a lawsuit. This is just to show you the, and I'm sure it's not only in the states, the, um, the moral uh, relativism and uh, weakness of the West, okay? There, there was a case in the states. I don't know if you've heard about it. There was a case in the states that a thief tried to rob a house and he fell through the roof. He was trying to come in through a skylight, I think. Have you heard about this? Yeah. And he fell, and he broke his leg or something. And he actually sued the occupants of the house. I don't know what happened. But that, that was the story that I heard. He sued the occupants of the house. In some states, if you would kill the person, you would be taken to jail. My husband was saying there are some states that, that would go according to this. We have to take our morality from the Torah. We don't take our morality from the West, okay? And I'm telling you this as a chizuk for all of us to understand. I just heard a, um, 
a Gazan resident who converted. Has anybody heard him? I mean, he's spoken Hebrew, so I don't know if any of you... Did you hear him? I, I, pushed, I started crying. I couldn't believe it. There's a Gazan resident that 10 years ago... You heard? 10 years ago... Anyone who understands Hebrew... I mean, I can maybe send it to you and you can send it up. He converted to Judaism and he lives in Israel. And they were interviewing him on, uh, on some channel I got sent it. And he said, 95% of the people there want to kill you. He says to the, to the, to the left-wing uh, presenter, and he's trying to shush him up. And he says, you don't understand. You don't understand. I was educated in schools that I had friends there. My parents and my sisters and brothers, they want to kill you. Do you understand that they want to kill you? Do you understand they want to kill you? What's happened is that we are sucked in. And I'll tell you an interesting thing about the concepts of chesed and gvura. Okay? Do you know the concepts of chesed and gvura? We have a... I don't want to go into the whole, the whole thing. But we have... Avraham Avinu is considered to be the pillar of chesed, of loving kindness. Yitzchak Avinu is considered to be the pillar of... Gvura, of strength, of boundaries, of... Um, Give me another English word. Discipline. Discipline. Okay. Tafkid was up and been in our Pasha. The master of loving kindness that did this war. One minute. Oh, we have Abraham Avinu, who is the epitome of loving kindness, who does the Akedah, who fought this war. The Ishmaelim, Ishmaelim, symbolize in our world Din. They symbolize in our world Gura. They will go to the absolute extreme of cruelty and control until they get to where they get to, okay? And they are enemies without any, uh, with, uh, they're proclaimed enemies themselves. Hi, my Soshi. They're enemies. Who are our enemies that are not so clear to us? The enemies that are not clear to us, as I say, and I talk to my children about this a lot, is the Christian concepts of loving kindness in the West. Okay? Don't hurt people. Turn the other cheek. All of these ideas, we've, we've, we've got them with mother's milk. Okay? Don't be cruel. Don't, don't kill citizens. But so we have to understand that we have to take a morality from the Torah and not from... Take a morality from the Torah and not from the Western world. Okay? And we have to be mitchazek in it and strengthen ourselves. And I invite you to learn morality, to learn the morality of the Torah, to keep learning. You guys are learning anyway. It's wonderful for you. Okay? To keep, to, keep, to keep learning about morality, absolute morality, and not get caught up in the moral relativity of what's going on around us. Okay? I'm now moving to a different stage. Are there any questions until now? Okay. Um, I want to read you something. I don't even know if I'm going to read it all inside. Uh, do you see your third source? The Kedushat Levi. Okay? Kedushat Levi, Rabbi Levi, Tzrak, Miberdiche. Okay, have you heard him? He's the one who's done the Kafschut. He's uh, the son of Israel. He's the one who, who um, you know, he lived here. I wrote here. He lived uh, between 1740 and 1809. Okay? I think in the Ukraine. Somewhere around there. Okay? And I want to sort of read you. I'm going to read and translate loosely, okay? Basically, what I'm doing now is I'm, I'm, I'm giving you what gave me chizuk and emunah, okay? And this was getting a lot of chizuk and emunah. Kfar, parashim v'pasuk, kol ha-machalad, there's a pasuk here in Shemot that says, 
כל המחלה אשר שמתי במצרים, לא אשים עליך כי אני השם אופקה, אוקיי? All the diseases or bad suffering and מחלה, it doesn't just mean um, disease or, or sickness, it means all kinds of suffering. The suffering that I put on Mitzrayim, I'm not going to give to you because I'm your God who heals you. And that's like one minute. We didn't have a Holocaust. We didn't have, I mean, what's gone on with the Jewish people over generations. You didn't put suffering on us. So, so Rabbi Levi Yitzhak Mibedichev, okay, who's the the defender, he's defending God here, okay? He says here, right? It's, it's known what Chazal say. That Hashem uh, precedes the, um, the, the suffering with the cure, okay? In other words, when Hashem brings suffering, he's got the cure in mind, okay? He's not just bringing the suffering. Okay, there's a cure that he has in mind. I don't know if the word is cure, it's um... Do you have another word for it? It's not just antidote, he brings the Yeshua, he brings the... the, the yeah, it's, it's the answer, it's the... He brings the salvation, that's really the word, okay? When he brings the suffering, he has in mind the salvation already. Okay, it's not that, oh, the suffering happens and then, uh, then he makes up the salvation. No, okay? The Kavanato Bahatsara... Rak, I'm the second line near the end. The Kavanatoba had Sarah, his aim with this, with this suffering. Rak bishvila Yeshua shishlachachachach. The aim of the suffering is for the salvation that's going to come afterwards. Okay? Just not the brackets. Okay? I'm in the middle of the third line. The Kavanata Choli. Okay? The reason for the, 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 the aim of this suffering. So how do you understand? What is the understanding of this pasuk? What's the kavana of the pasuk? I won't put the suffering on you. Okay? Because when I put suffering on Mitzrayim, what was my, what was my aim? To make them suffer. To punish them. When I put suffering on you, I'm putting suffering on you in order to bring about a great salvation. And that, that's why he says in the pasuk, All the suffering, I'm going back to the first line, all the suffering that I put on Mitzrayim, I won't put on you. He doesn't mean that I won't make you suffer. It means that I won't make you suffer for the same reason. That I will, that the suffering that will come upon you will bring about a great salvation. The suffering I put on Egypt will not bring about a great salvation. Okay? Let's carry on. I'm on the fourth line in the middle. Rak bishvila It's only because of the healing and the, and the salvation that's going to come afterwards. That's why you have the suffering. Okay? Now he goes into a different question. He says, well, you can ask a question like, why do we need the suffering? Just bring the Yeshua, like without the suffering. Okay? Ki kavanato ala chasadim shemikodem. Basically saying, I'm going to translate loosely. He's saying, what is the reason for the suffering? So he, he, he takes a mashal, a parable of a uh, ceramic, um, a clay, I think that's what they say, a clay vessel. Let's say you have a clay vessel and you want to make a bigger vessel. What do you do? You have this clay vessel, okay? It's not like we're going... You know, several hundred years ago, you're not just going to go into the supermarket and buy another one, okay? Right? You have a clay vessel that's good quality. 
and you want a bigger clay vessel, what are you going to do? How are you going to make a bigger clay vessel? <coughs> Sorry? And what was going to make it wet? You have to break it. Okay? So that's what he's saying. He's saying uh, the reason why we have the suffering before the salvation is that Shadan say I'm at the one, two, three, four, five. I'm reading again the last the last part of the fifth line. Now say Klila Kabela Shefa, we become a, a, a vessel like a kli to to uh, receive the the salvation of Hashem, the, the bracha of Hashem. If you want to make a small kli, a vessel, a big kli, it needs to be broken. Hashem wants to give us great things. Hashem wants to raise us up to greatness. He wants to bring gula. He wants to do great things. He can't bring it in the kelim that we have now. So what does he do? He breaks the kli, brings the suffering. gadol. Galal ken galal. In other words, he wants us to be greater. Shalach lot sara ocholi on the last line, uh, the second last line. So he brings him the suffering and the sickness. Chas v'shalom shezel shvatekli that breaks the kli, katan in order to make a greater kli. Hard. It's hard to hear it. It's hard to understand it. But let it just sit with you a little bit, okay? Hashem wants us to achieve greatness. He wants us to be great to the world. He wants us to fulfill our tafkir. He wants us to be an oligoin. And the key that we have at the moment is not big enough. And in order for him, for us to have a bigger key so that he can bring great, great, great salvation to us, he breaks the key. Okay? I want to show you another pasukia, four. Okay? This is in Shmot. Okay, this is a this is this a pasuk is related to the suffering that happened in Yitzrayim. Okay, because that's also people you, you could ask the question about a million things. Okay, you could ask the question about why did uh, why did um, why did Amsafer suffer for so many hundreds of years in Yitzrayim? What was the necessity for that? Okay, when Hashem one second, when can you bear the can you fought when the Egyptians, Yanoto, tortured Am Israel, did terrible things to Am Israel. Kenya Be. They multiplied for Kenya fruits. They prospered. And they were, I don't even know how to say it. It's like they were mitaks ben. They were annoyed. They were freaked out by Am Israel. How can it be that the more we give them terrible, terrible, terrible suffering, the more they prosper, the more they succeed? How can that be? Okay? So I brought you Rashi. Rashi on this pasuk. Okay. Okay. So Rashi says, it's like measure for measure. As much as they, as they um, cause suffering to Am Yisrael, that's how much Am Yisrael are going to prosper. It's like, okay, so he learns it out. As much as Am Yisrael are going to suffer in Mitzrayim, that's as much as the as the greatness that they're going to get to, and how much they're going to suffer, uh, the, as long as they're going to prosper. Ken Rabbi Ken Paras, he said, and and it happened in the past. Okay, Midrashor Ruach Hakodesh HaTorah Omeret Ken Atem Omrim Pen Yerbe. He's saying you saying the Mitzrayim Mitzrayim we're going to torture them lest they pen lest they will multiply. That's your intention. 
we're going to make them suffer so that they won't multiply. And so the Torah says, Vanyomer, Hashem says, can you obey? You say, lest they're going to multiply. And I say, yes, they're going to multiply. Okay? They are kotsu. And then he says, katsu varabotanu rashu kotsin. We were like thorns to them. We were like thorns to them. Look at the, the, the situation of Amistral, how broken we were before this war happened. What terrible, terrible... Okay, we're not going to go into it. I'm sure you guys have discussed it enough. Okay, what terrible, 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 terrible things were being said and done. And, and look, look what's going on now. It's unbelievable. I'm going to tell you a little story that I, that I heard this morning on my way here. And I was crying in the car. I was like, oh, I'm going to have a weird eyes. I don't know if you already saw it. I just saw it this morning. A volunteer of Zaka. You know what Zaka is? Uh, Zaka is a, a volunteer organization that brings bodies to burial and deals with, uh, it's been dealing with terrible, terrible things in the, in the south there. And uh, this man from Zaka, I hope I'm not going to cry now. This man from Zaka, he told the story. He said, there was a boy in the south. It's not a, a horror story, is that? Okay. Um, there was a boy in the south who, whose parents and, I don't know if it was a sister and a brother, or it was two siblings, were murdered by, by, the, um, by the terrorists. Okay. And how was he saved? He was in one of the kibbutz, I don't know which one, right on the, on the border. And he went running 15 minutes before. You heard the story? Okay, but wait till you hear the rest of it, okay? He went running. And, um, and when he heard the shots and everything, the house that was nearest to him was the house of the one who's in charge of security in the, in the settlement. So he ran into the house. He didn't even have his phone with him. He ran into the house, a uh, 13-year-old boy now, he just had his bar mitzvah. Okay, he ran into the house and the, the, the head of security was just running out um, to go and deal with what was going on. He got killed, shit, this man. Anyway, so he got locked out. He, they, before he left, he locked his, his wife and kids with this boy into the, into the mamad, the safe room. So this boy approached, I don't know how it got to Zaka, but he approached them. And he said, he said, I've got, he's ha- having a bonnet sweat, right? And he said, you heard the story? He said, I want my feeling. I want the feeling. Which feeling? You heard the story? I want the feeling that are in my house. Now, the house there, the whole area is closed. He said at the time that he wanted it, there's this little shooting going on. The, the soldiers are there. It's still a war zone inside the, the. He said, my grandfather saw his two parents being killed in cold blood and at the age of 14 he um, made Aliyah and he brought his tefillin with him and he gave the tefillin to his father, it's not a religious family okay, gave the tefillin to his father and he said, I want to have my permits with these tefillin so like, this is the gadlut, the greatness of our people is that this man said that the that a couple of volunteers, must have volunteers, volunteers, they're going to go into, he said, the, the soldiers said, we're going to allow this to happen. Why are we going to allow this to happen? Because we are a great nation. We're a great nation. So he said, we're going to go, we're going to give you five minutes. And those five minutes from where the house is, you have to go into the house, get the feeling, and come straight out. They went in, they were being covered, fire going, I mean, unbelievable. Masirut Nefesh, self-sacrifice of these volunteers. They went in, they found the feeling, 
And he said, because he said they had two more minutes, he just took a garbage bag and stuffed whatever he could from the house, you know, for the boy, for, for a thing to have his, you know, for memories or whatever. And, uh, and they came out of the house and they gave it to the boy. And I just, I listened to the story and I just said, this is it. Can you bever? Can you fart? It's like, the more you squeeze us, the more you squeeze us, you will just see our greatness coming out. You will see our greatness coming out. What is the greatness over here? The little boy. I mean, who would think that you could lose your two parents and your two children? You're going to talk about the feeling that you can have your bar He's not even religious, okay? That's the greatness of a nation. The volunteers that went in and sacrificed their lives in order to bring this tefillin for him because they felt so strongly about it. The soldiers that were protecting them in order to go and get the tefillin. So I want to tell you a little, um, a little um, something from Rav Sachs, okay, the chief of Rav I read a, an article of his, so the article of his is actually written in Hebrew, so actually, even though he was obviously the chief rabbi in England, but he wrote books in, there were also books in Hebrew, and I couldn't find this in English. So I tried to translate it myself. Rav Sachs says, what is the secret of the survival of the Jewish people? What is the secret of survival of the Jewish people? How do you understand that the Jewish people have survived for so many centuries through so much persecution, so much suffering, so many killings and tortures and whatever? How do you explain the Jewish people have survived? How do you explain it? Because many people have tried to explain it. How do you explain the Jewish people have survived? So he says the people that have said, um, Paul Johnson said, uh, oh no, uh, oh no, not Paul Johnson, he's the one who said that. He said, some people have said it's family values. Some people have said it's because they focus on education. Some people have said it's because of its connection to history. Some people have said because they're so brilliant. They have said because they're innovative. He said that's not why Amistad has survived throughout the years. He says Amistad has survived out of the years because we know we have a mission. Even if we don't understand we have a mission. In our hearts, we know we have a mission. How do we know that? Think how many soldiers before they even got their call up, went down to the south. Secular people. How do you explain? How do you explain? It's because we have a Jewish neshama. We have a Jewish neshama. We have a neshama that's calling us to stand up as Jews. Okay? So he says that we have a mission. And he says that the Jewish nation has an ability to come out of crisis and to prosper to prosper, to develop, to progress, to become great. And he said, where did we get this from? Where do we get this from? Anybody, can anybody, where do we get this from? Where do we get such an unbelievable ability to rise up? Think about it. The pogroms, the terrible, terrible pogroms. When Cossacks used to come into the city and, God forbid, rape and murder and pillage and raise everything to the ground, and the Jews just got back up and built themselves up again. And he gives lots of examples throughout the ages. Gives examples of, of, of terrible things that happened in the in the the destruction of the first Beit Hamikdash and the second Beit Hamikdash and what flowered as a result. He goes through Jewish history. It's an amazing article that he wrote. Okay, so he says, you know where we got it from? It's in our DNA. From who? You know who's in our DNA from? Here's your next pasuk. Okay. Ah. Okay, your next pasuk. Vayomer six, source six. Vayomer shelachani. Okay, who's this? Yaakov fought with the angel. Can you imagine how terrifying that was? In the middle of the night, Yaakov is fighting with this angel. He doesn't know it's an angel. Afterwards, he has an angel. But he's fighting with this angel. All night, he's fighting with this angel. And then, when the, the sun starts to rise up, the angel says to him, Vayomer, Shlacheni, 
כי עלה השחר. נו, let me go. let me go. The sun is rising, okay? And what does Yaakov say to Yaakov Avinu? לא אשלחך, כי אם ברחתני. I will not send you until you bless me. I won't send you until you bless me. And Rav Sack says, that is the secret of the Jewish people. We will not let suffering go until we get the brachat of the suffering. That's our DNA. That's what Yaakov Avinu, uh, uh, and afterwards he was called Yisrael, in other words, it's, it's Bamash, he, he gave it to us, that we will not be covered by suffering. We will come up and say, I want the brachat from the suffering. Okay? Just like we learned before in the source of number, number three, and number three, that you, okay, my key is broken. I want a bigger key, and I'm not going to stop until I have a bigger key. Okay? Um, so I just want to bring this down because I only have a few minutes left. There's just so much to say. I want to bring this down to a personal level. Okay? To all of us. Because, you know, we can talk about the nation, the nation, the nation. At the end of the day, we're going to sleep, we're waking up, we're watching the news. I hope you're not watching the news too much, and I hope you're certainly not looking at any horrible things that Hamas is sending out, because that's absolutely, in my mind, a sort to do, okay? Ralph Sachs says something else in another, in another article completely. He says, you know what will be imprinted in our psyche? You know what's imprinted in the psyche of the Jew after suffering happens to him? Is not what happened, what is the story of what happened, what will happen, how did it happen? You know what the Jews can get imprinted in the Jew's psyche? Who I was when it happened. Who was I when it happened? Who am I? Leora Sarah Silverstein. When I tell my children, okay, I have children now. Okay, when I, I tell my grandchildren that I have pneumonia or whatever, and I talk to them about what happened in these days, like in the second intifada or the first intifada or the Gulf War, whatever it is, And I want to talk to them about this period. I'm not going to talk to them about the facts that happened and the terrible thing. I want them to understand who I was. I want to be able to give over who I was as a Jewess at that time. And who do we want to be? What kind of people do we want to be in this time? I'm opening it up. What are the kind of people we want to be? Who do we want to be? Giving it to you. Who do you want to be? Because that's the story you're going to tell your children, who you were. Now, I want to be a person. Anyone, anyone uh, I want to be a person who gives. I want to be, I want to connect to Yudim Rachmanim B'nei Rachmanim. We are Jews that know how to give chesed and to be, to be, have Rachmanim. I want to be a person who gives. You know, in Betel, and I'm sure it's the same in Mitzvah Yericho and in uh, many other places around the whole country, okay? I want to be counted among the givers. That's the story I want to tell. In, unfortunately, in Betel, it's like, if you don't get up at 7 o'clock in the morning and volunteer, you've, you're done. Like, everybody's taking everything, okay? The cakes, the, the things, the rice, the chicken, the whatever, everything everyone's preparing, taking here, taking it there, making the soup, whatever. You don't get up early. I'm like, I said, I said, I said wake me up at 7 o'clock because if I don't get up, I said, I don't put my name down on the survey that comes, everyone's just taking it. And it's gone for three weeks. Okay, I'm sure it's the same everywhere. Okay? Someone was just telling me a story about uh, this man who, maybe you saw this also, he, uh, 
he's not religious, and he asked the Rav, the Rav of the area, I'm sure he doesn't have a Rav of the actual place where he lives, because it's not a religious place. He said, I want you to come and cash in my kitchen. Maybe he's a chef or something. He said, I want you to come and cash in my kitchen. Okay? So the Rav comes and cashes his kitchen. He said, I want you to come with me to the supermarket. I want to make food for a thousand soldiers. I want to make food for a thousand soldiers, and I don't want one soldier not to be able to eat. That's what he said. And he cooked that morning for a thousand soldiers. Kosher to the letter of the law. He said to the Rav, you are here the whole morning, and you are watching me so that I can put you kosher supervised. That's the greatest of my nation. Who do I want to be? These, what is the story I want to tell? What do I want to tell? I want to tell my children that I stood strong, that I stood strong, that I didn't let the, 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 the suffering, the pain get to me, not from the point of view that I don't identify with the pain and that I don't pray for everybody. And I want to tell you something about Rachel Emenu because, uh, let's see, what's up Rachel Emenu? I saw something absolutely unbelievable. It's, I heard it many, many years ago and I rushed, tried to find the source and I found the source yesterday and I said, I have to share this with you. It's so unbelievable. Part of how we can get our... There's so much to say about this, but I'm just going to leave you with another couple of thoughts, okay? Is that I want to be a person who prays. I want to be a person who says Tilim. Ah, you know, that's another whole story about me and Sefer Tilim, okay? But I want to be a person... So if I don't connect to Sefer Tilim, I want to learn Sefer Tilim. I want to be a person who is giving to the nation. I want to be a person who's connected to the cloud, who's connected to the nation. Don't know if you're connected every single second, okay? Say that. But I want to be a person who rises up, just like the Jewish nation is rising up, okay? So one of the, the Malbim, in the second Tilim, I think I actually put it in your source here. Uh, here, seven. Okay, it's called Tilim Kuf Kaf Bet, okay? Um, our legs were standing at the gates of Jerusalem. Okay, it's talking about the pilgrims. Okay, Alex is saying there. Do you know what? Do you know what Malvin says? But also, I'm not going to read it in. Malvin says, "Do you know what? When you are going through a really, really hard time, when you're going through a really, really, really difficult time in life, do you know what you should do? You should go and look at the walls of the Eretz Do you know why? Because they're still standing. And just like they're still standing, so can you stand. Do you know how much suffering the walls of the old city have seen? Omdot ayur aglem shalchim. So the mapping, I've got it here. You can get it afterwards. Okay, we will be strong, and we will stand strong, just like the walls of the old city. And what's the word omed amida? It means praying. Praying is standing strong. Praying means I have a source for my words. I know where all this is coming from. Okay. So now I just want to say something about Rachel Imenu, and then we'll end. Okay. Look at source 8, Rabbi Nachman mi Breslav. Okay, I got to him. This is the one who said this, okay? He says, do you know? I'm going to tell it to you about that. Okay, I'm going to tell it to you about He says, do you know that Rachel Imenu, Rachel Imenu is buried in Bethlehem, okay? On the road. She never got to, to she, didn't, she wasn't buried in Maram, she was buried on the road, okay? Chazal say, in fact, you know, I'm actually going to write it out for you, Okay? Does anybody know why the, the wall is called the Kotel Amaravi? Chidush. Anyone know why it's called Marav? Because it's the place where the sun sets. Okay, Marav 
is the place where the sun sets. Okay, the sun sets in the west. Okay. The Kotel is called the Kotel Maravi. Actually, in English, what's it called? Okay, the Western Wall or the Wailing Wall. Okay. He said, Marav is the place where the sun sets. And when the sun sets, darkness sets in. And that's why it's called the Kotel Maravi. For so many years, the Kotel Maravi. Why? Because that's the time when the sun sets that things become dark. And now this is the source that he brings in. I brought the whole thing for you. You can learn it inside if you want. Okay. He says, what does the Maharav stand for? Meta, I lied, just want to make sure that I get it right. Meta, 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 Rachel, Baderech. Rachel, Mevaka, Al, Banera. Mem, Ein, Resh, Bet, Maharav. Okay? Rachel, What are these two say? This pasuk is um, from Parashat Vayechi in Bereshit, where Yaakov says that Rachel, Rachel died on the way. Okay? Meta alai Rachel baderech. Okay? She died on the way. And here, Rachel is crying for her children. Rachel crying for her children is a proactive thing. It's not like I'm crying out of desperation, I'm crying out of uh, hopelessness. No. Rachel was crying as a proactive measure. She was crying because she was praying for the children to come back. Okay? Rachel of now. So, the Rabbi Nachman Rebessah brings a source. He says like this. He says, do you know that Rachel is considered as part of the Shekhinah? I don't really understand this. Okay? But I don't understand it. It's brought from the Zohar. Okay? So, I don't claim to really understand exactly what it means. But this is the idea. Part, the Shekhinah is crying at the wall. Okay? That's why it's called the wedding wall. The Shekhinah says, why? Because when Hashem brings suffering on us to make us great, He suffers along with us. Okay? It's not. Okay? He suffers with us. He doesn't want His own to suffer. Okay? But He needs His own to suffer in order to make us greater. Okay? So He is crying. The Shekhinah is crying at the wall. And who comes together with Shekhinah and cries at the wall? is Rechagimim. And that's why He says that the Kotel Amaravi as, as these uh, Rachel Mevakal Baneah, because Rachel comes from the time when the sun sets until the time when the sun rises, Rachel Imenu is crying for her children at the Kotel Amaravi. That's what he brings here. Rachel Imenu did a proactive, so just like we can do chesed and we can we praying and crying is part of what is going to bring the gula. It's not a, a, a passive step. It's an active step. Okay? So I just want to... Just to summarize, I want to just say there's a very interesting uh, a song. I don't know if you know it. It goes like this. Amanetzach lo mefached. Anybody know it? Lo mefached mi derech haruka. Amanetzach, the eternal nation, lo mefached, is not afraid of the long, the long path. Okay? Amanetzach, the eternal nation, is not afraid of the long way. You should see these. I'm, I'm sure you've seen them. These clips of soldiers singing the song you just want to cry giving themselves strength and giving everybody around them strength that we are the eternal nation we are the eternal nation we're not afraid of the long way okay I really want to every one of you that you should all along with me okay that we should all become strengthened in our emunah 
We should become strengthened in our ability to give to our nation, to be, feel part of a nation. And more than that, to feel unbelievably privileged that we are in Israel at this time. And I can't even, I can't even say it enough that I just feel that being part of what Amisra is going through now is the biggest privilege that we have. Okay? Like, who would want to be not here? Who would want to be not part of what's going on? So I just wish you brachah, that's the high everything that you do.